Hello, 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 and welcome. Thank you for joining us on this platform in order to inspire and uplift others. I am your host, Sabrina Victoria. Today, I am speaking at uh, to an amazing man named Alan Knight. Alan is here to share some wonderful information about confidence. Join us as he shares some of his own experiences, what challenges he has gone through, and the steps he has taken to transform his life. We will be discussing ways to overcome shyness, and insecurity and how to turn fear and stress into monk-like inner freedom. Hello, Alan. Hello, Sabrina. How I are you? I stole it off your, webca- your, your website, Alan. I stole it right off of there. You know, you are a thief. I always knew you were a thief <laughs> through and through. It was, uh, it was written so eloquently. I just snatched it right off of there. Zen-like. What, what so was you that? really go, you really go for it. If you've done a twelve, just twelve hour after twelve hours, you then <laughs> interview me after twelve hours. When do you, when do you stop? Ah, uh, never. We're we're never going home, my friend. We're never right. going home. You're an inspiration to us all. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I so appreciate you hanging out with me and us today, uh, live here. We're streaming across Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube at the same time right now. We're talking about confidence. That's a good topic. Yeah, I want to ask, though, what what about confidence? Why did you decide to get confidence and be so serious about it and so curious about it that we're talking about it today? What do you, who said I'm so serious about it? <laughs> good point. <laughs> good point. Those were your words, not mine. <laughs> No, it's it's kind of interesting, Sabrina, because it's a relatively recent thing that I've been doing. For most of my career, I would call my program Zen Zone Mindset Program. But about a couple of months ago, because I'm doing some different things with marketing myself out into the world, uh, a very dear friend of mine who's a copywriter and a real expert guy when it comes to marketing and branding yourself and all that, He said to me, Alan, think back of all the people you've coached over the years. What are the two or three things that are common to most of them? And I really thought about it. And and I came up with insecurity, shyness, and being too timid. And, of course, stress thrown in as well with with the pandemic and the Ukrainian war and all those things going on. And then I realized that a big part of what I teach people is how to fast track your ability to overcome those things and replace that with an inner confidence. Because the reality is every day we're in relationship, whether it's our professional life, our personal life, it's all about relationship and it all starts with the relationship we have with ourselves. So if we're going to not just survive, but flourish out in the world, why is Sabrina so happy and content and successful? Well, just talking to you for a few minutes, I realized you exude fun, joy, and confidence. Yeah. So confidence is what most people really seek and need to really to, to live their life, live an extraordinary life. So I realized I'm going to focus on something I call assertive confidence. So I combine the inner confidence built up with by self-development and asserting yourself in the world. And it's funny because I always wanted to combine self-mastery with communication mastery, which is often left out in the self-development world. Everybody's talking about mindset, mindset, mindset. Mindset's important, but it's only one facet. 
ultimately we need to connect the inner development with our communication mastery. So that's why I found that road. I love that you're talking about communication because I think that that is one of the biggest issues that we as a society are failing at. Yet we have like such a vast like vocabulary, you know, I'm going to say more so than anything else on the planet. And we struggle with it so badly. Absolutely. And when I first when I first entered into the profession of speaking, training, and coaching, at the very beginning, I was teaching more sales techniques because I knew entrepreneurship was going to be a very important part of society. And so I knew that a lot of people would need these skills. So I started to teach things like public speaking, how to network effectively, how to sell, because I had done a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of sales in my life. And then I learned something really interesting that 85% of the people that I was coaching Although I was helping them, I didn't, I didn't feel confident that I was helping them as much as I could have. And I quickly realized that it's because 80 to 85% of our communication comes from the inside out. It oozes out from the inside. The content, the words, the technique, that's easy peasy to teach. But the inner was a whole different ballgame. And that's where I went back into the laboratory and created my nine-step formula, the first seven have to do with falling in love with yourself, empowering yourself, accepting, respecting, and loving yourself unconditionally like your own child. And when you have that going for you, then you learn a few communication skills and techniques, then you have the whole package. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I like how you're comparing us to a child because that's so true. Well, that's another thing I found out, Sabrina, is that when people ask me, Alan, I know there are a lot of things that hold us back. But what's the one thing that you really notice universally? And I would say the number one thing, maybe for you, but for me, for sure, in my life and the people that I know and taught, whatever, is that most of us are way too hard on ourselves and too self, self-critical. And so we talk a lot about love, love, love and giving love to others, which is great. But how about the importance of Really, and I'm not talking intellectually knowing that, oh, yeah, 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 I like myself. I'm talking about accepting and loving ourselves. Like I look and tell you a little funny story. My brother sent me a picture of myself when I was 21, about six months ago. And I said, wow, what a good looking guy I was. But then I said, I was so insecure. I hated myself. Now I'm an old man and I think I'm cool. And I think I'm the coolest guy in the world. What's the difference? (laughs) The inner feeling of accepting and loving I call him little Ali Wally, my little son. Yeah, oh, I love that. I lo- What's his name? What's his real name? Well, Alan. My, I mean, my son, my inner son. <gasps> Did so you little, really? Little Ali Wally. I call oh, him little Ali Wally. that's so cute. Yeah, because how are we going to have a high-level soulmate relationship if we don't have a high-level inner soulmate relationship with ourselves? Because if, if I don't work on that, then no matter how much quickly I fall in love with someone, look at all the romantic experiences we hear about, well, they've been madly in love and they were the perfect match. And then two years later, three years later, they're ready to kill each other. And how do we have a sustain a great relationship if we don't have that great relationship with moi man? And if I have that and I love myself unconditionally, I could more easily love that person and other people beyond that unconditionally because I've become like a walking love machine and I have very little emotional, psychological crap to have to deal with. 
Yes. That's great. And I love how you used your name. My inner child um, is Nicole. And sometimes I feel weird about that because it's like not my name, but like that's literally, that's literally her name. So it's so interesting to Absolutely. me. I love hey, we got, we should embrace all of it. All, yeah. all of it. When I look at myself as a teenager, I was so insecure, you know what? I, but I love that guy. I went through that. It's good that I went through that. I yeah. had to go through those experiences of insecurity to grow. So I, I honor it all. Yeah, that's great. You're talking about insecurity because a lot of times people would start listening to this and they'd be like, yeah, he's got confidence. He's always probably always got confidence. Oh, I like no, probably no, always no, be no, confident. No, no. Yeah. So I like that you're saying that. Oh, <laughs> don't even get me started. On that <laughs> well, I'm about to because I want to ask um, what your greatest challenge is. What's the greatest challenge that you've gone through in your life? And what did you learn from that challenge? The greatest challenge is the very thing we're just talking about. I was brought up in a family where my, my brother, Larry, who I dearly love, is four and a half years older than me. He was number one in his medical school. He was amazing athlete. He was so good looking. They called him Dean Martin, who's before our time, but he was, Dean Martin was a pretty great looking guy and he was very popular. So I lived in his shadow and I hate when my parents used to say, oh, we love both of them equally. You know, they were kind of, in my mind, I thought they're trying to make up for the fact they probably preferred him. But I, I, I was brought up or I was in, in a situation where I was always being compared to him and had to live up. It was a hard act to follow. And so that ignited a lot of insecurity in me for many years and it, it really hurt very deeply because when i started on the dating scene in my teens and early 20s i would meet someone and initially they liked me because i could be a little charming but the insecurity as you know just came rushing out and of course they walked away <laughs> and i got rejected many times more than i would like and those rejections were extremely painful yeah. And till later, I finally realized, look, after a very failed relationship, either I'm going to end up in a mental institute or I'm going to learn to love myself. And I made a decision to love myself and I've never turned back. Wow. How old were you approximately when you sat down and had that conversation with yourself? You know, it, it, it was probably in my 30s. Okay. Got it. Probably in my 30s. Really? Given that I'm about 41 now. Just kidding. Just teasing. <laughs> So as far as that goes, you know, looking back now and, um, you know, being able to see from where you are now and the education you've done now, what did you learn? Like, what was the point of that? Well, I mean, to me, it, it, it's like all of life are lessons if we choose to make them lessons. Yeah. So one of my of my nine step formula, one of them is step number six, dealing with the challenging challenges and obstacles that come our way, however small, medium or large they be. And that's my favorite step. It's not the sexy step. It's not the mindset and love, you know, uh, affirmations, which, uh, you know, I handle in different ways in step number four. But in step number six, the key is you and I and all of us are going to meet challenges and obstacles. The question is, how are we going to manage them? Are we yeah. going to become a victim of them or are we going to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps 
and get back in, I call it, get back into the super highway of life, get back in the Zen zone, I call it. So yeah. for me, it was about learning that no matter what was going to come my way, as long as I didn't avoid it, accepted it, feel it, release it, express it, release it, and get back into my real self, you know, the, the strong Alan, the one that is the adult, not the hurt little child, then I would be fine no matter what happened in life. And of course, many challenges followed that. And each challenge, and even today, there are challenges that I face and I pick myself up fast. The key yeah. is how quickly you pick yourself up. Yes. Explain that. Explain that to those that don't understand it. Well, here's here's the way I see it. The reason, and here it's part, of, I'm not trying to sell you on the nine steps, but there's a reason I created the nine steps. The first seven before talking about number eight, which is all about communicating with others, is all about ourselves. So it connects the mind, the rational mind, to our emotions, to our intuition, to our actions, etc. ultimately into communication with others. Now, if we have too many psychological and emotional, too much what I call emotional psychological turbulence that clouds our inner, inner world, and limits our ability to access insights and wisdom that comes from getting in the Zen zone. Mm -hmm. uh, if that if it's cloudy and we have a lot of turbulence, that's going to lead to dysfunction. That's why there's so many dysfunctional relationships out there, because the relationship we have with ourselves is often dysfunctional. So if I'm not strong enough, if I'm not masterful enough, if I haven't learned to accept and love myself, what happens is I'm going to be more easily triggered by things that come up either in our own mind or outside us. So if I'm feeling great, walking around, feeling wonderful and think, oh, everything is great in my life. And I still have these emotional, psychological inner parasites and infections that are still sitting there. And then I meet someone that oh, I have this total love experience and I'm in love for two or three days. And then after two or three days go by uh, jealous. Oh, She's talking to some guy. All of a sudden, there's jealousy. Oh, all of a sudden, there's insecurity. Oh, all of a sudden, there's manipulation and control. So we, that's because we've been triggered and we haven't worked through the emotional, psychological crap. And what appeared to be this amazing experience, which was falling in love because temporarily we both came together in freedom. But it wasn't a true ongoing freedom that we experienced within ourselves. So guess what? We start hurting each other. And then it could lead to who the hell knows what. We don't want to go, go there. So the vast majority of people that have dysfunctional relationships are because the emotional, psychological infections are still there living in our inner body. So number six tests us to see how much, if we've gone through step number three, four, or five, and six, which is all about building our inner muscles, okay. we start feeling so good about ourselves that when we get triggered, oh, I just got triggered. Oh, that's a little disappointing. No problem. I think I'll pick myself up and get on with my life because nobody, nothing is going to get me off track from living my dream lifestyle. You can only do that if you build up enough of the inner muscles. And most people haven't done that. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And once, once, an individual does start getting what you're talking about down pat. It's such a free feeling and you get so much more time back. 
Because all that time we spend like mulling over things, yelling about things, being angry about things, worrying about things, it just goes away. And then you have so much more free time to like do stuff. That's why it's called freedom. I mean, when I first became a monk, what was I, what did I, why did I do that? I went to so-called, the words we use then is to become enlightened. What was, what does that really mean? We want to become free from suffering. And so we all are looking for freedom. Even if we don't realize it, that's what we're looking for. But most of us are not living that freedom. But you're so right. I love the fact if I if something happened to me today, Sabrina, I hope nothing happens to me. Uh, and you <laughs> ask me, what is my greatest achievement in life? There's no question what it is, is that I, I achieve my goal of finding a very high state of inner freedom, where most of the time, I feel free, I feel content, I feel grateful, I feel love. And when challenges come, I deal with them and I get back in the zone. So to me, that's the greatest uh, achievement possible. Anything externally, how much money you make, the cars you, 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 you're driving, the the, the the trips you take. I've been around the world three times. So do I care anymore? Not really. It's nice, nice to see another city. But the inner game, the inner freedom to me is what's most exciting. Yes, yes, that's great. I didn't know that that's what enlightenment meant. Yeah, people become trying to become enlightened, not the, the words that they used at the time, is that most of us are attached to, to, to something or another. It could be relationship, it could be sex, it could be money, and we're attached to that. The whole point of meditation, supposedly, is that if you meditate more and more and more, you'll overcome all these tendencies to be attached. The problem is, and this is where when I left being a monk, people said, Alan, why did you leave being a monk? Well, I lived like a monk for nine years until I missed women too much. So I left the monastery. And then I quickly learned that you don't need to be a monk or, or nun to work on your self-mastery. And not only that, unless you connect the spiritual experience of inner freedom with every part of life, it's very limited. And even you could become what I would call a spiritual monster, meaning you could become addicted. And that's true for anything, whether it's a community, association, or religion, you could become a fanatic. And I didn't want to be a fanatic. I wanted to be a well-rounded person where spirituality was a guide, but not the whole picture. Spirituality is, needs to be founded on healthy human development as well. Together, that is a very healthy spirituality. And I also knew that it wasn't going to come primarily through the rational mind. That's another thing I learned over the years, this expression, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. We're all quick to say, oh, yeah, I believe that knowledge is power. I believe if you and I, Sabrina, want to be doctors, knowledge is power. We better go study for seven years and learn a whole bunch of stuff. So there are a lot of things that require knowledge. But I believe when it comes to self-mastery and communication mastery, it's the opposite. The heart is power, patience is power, presence of mind is power, compassion is power, and knowledge helps to some degree, but certainly it's not the whole thing or the main yeah, thing. Definitely. You know, for those that are, I'm sure you run into this sometimes in the self-development, you know, personal growth arena. There's individuals who are dead set on not being interested. They just think it's silly, a total waste of time, and uh, not necessary. 
And obviously, you know, we're on the other end now. And I want to ask you why, in your personal opinion, why do you think that, you know, diving into some sort of personal growth or personal development, why is it important? What's your thoughts? Well, well, I can only speak for myself. You know, people that are not interested in self-discovery, there could be a multitude of reasons. There could be reasons like they're not open-minded, they think it's woo-woo, they think it doesn't make any sense, uh, it might trigger them. I don't want to look at myself because they don't want to go inside and look at the, the stuff they don't like. They think that it's going to bring up emotions that they don't feel comfortable with, like the old thing about guys don't cry or things like that, or they're afraid they're going to look weak. So there's a multitude of reasons, and there might even be positive reasons. I know people that are not interested in personal development has nothing to do with the fact that they're running away from something. My brother is a perfect example. He's a wonderful guy, lives a very balanced life, doesn't particularly pursue self-development, but he's an integrated guy and lives. So who am I to say that the way he lives is wrong? I'm not here to preach. I'm not here to help everyone. All I care about is the people that are out of place where they recognize, hey, I need some help. I can't do it alone. I'm open to exploring. And why is it important? Well, certainly it was important to me because I didn't want to live in insecurity and fear all the time. I didn't want to live my life feeling everything's passing me by. Every relation, potential relationship is not for me because I don't have the, the the guts to walk up and say hello to somebody. That, that hurt me. Yeah. I didn't want to live like that. I wanted to be confident. I wanted to be able to walk up to anybody at any time, anywhere, which I can do now. I can talk to you and I can talk to the president of the United States. To me, it, it doesn't change anything for me. Yeah. So to have that confidence sometimes can only come from working the muscles, working your communication muscles, working your emotional, psychological muscles. But a lot of people are either too lazy or not open to it, and they choose whatever they want. And I'm not here to change them. That's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. Why did you end up becoming a monk? How did that happen? Well, again, there was a buildup of insecurity and fear. And actually, when I really look back, it's a good question you're asking that, is that when I was about 19 or 20 at the time, I believe I had some panic attacks. I remember that I, I, I always loved sports and I went to a hockey game in Montreal. Montreal Canadians were playing and I never had a problem before. And I couldn't stay in the arena just the noise and the loudness somehow got to me. And that was the beginning of some signs that I noticed in myself. And then I took a year off university and I just, I wanted to find, find myself. I I was, I was was a little screwed up, a little confused. And uh, I, and then I had my life changing moment on the desert where I came that close to dying and that said, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to go deeper inside because at that time I, I was pretty atheistic and not open to anything religious or spiritual, but it took that event to say, "Whoa, I'm now open," and that opened wow. me up. Wow, we have someone asking, "Were you a Trappist monk?" No, I don't know what that. Is. No. I think a Trappist monk is a form. I think is a is a form of Christian monk, I believe, but I was not. I was more of a Zen monk than, okay. than a Trappist monk. Where How do they differ? I don't know. In Montreal, in Montreal, where where, where, I, where, I, where I am now. Got it. So nine years, and then you exited. 
I th I think I'm a better monk today without living like a monk than I was then, because wow. then I was a traditional monk, and I did very intense meditation and chanting and study and whatever, but because it was not being lived within normal society, I wasn't growing as a human. So to me, the true test of the inner mastery is yes. how do you master yourself back in the world. That's why when I see Tibetan monks or Zen monks now with their robes, I, I kind of joke with some of them. I say, hey, let's see how good you are living these daily life with financial responsibilities and children and relationships. I joke with them. Yes, but, but it's I true. never it's true. thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, it does you no good to if you're, you can't use it to see. Well, I'm sure it does some good, but I was more interested in the whole development of all of who I was, not just my spiritual self, because I could chant up the yin-yang and meditate up the yin-yang and be a, an, an insecure guy for the rest of my life. So that's yeah. why, again, that's why I developed the nine steps, not the one-step program. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. So I want to ask God, you now, ask you ask really good questions. You're a good interview and you really care about your questions. You really you really delve. I'm I'm very complimentary. I, I acknowledge you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm gonna clip that out and put that on my social media. Except you're um, still a thief. You stole that stuff from me. I'm not gonna forget <laughs> I wanna ask as far now. This is a great question for now because you've come so far. You've done so many things in your life. Don't ask me about monk and sex life when as a monk. Okay. Don't ask me about that. <laughs> we'll do that one after the show. Okay. okay. Um, I want to ask uh, when you come across difficulties now or challenges or you find yourself in like a dark, you know, uh, situation that's come your way. What what are the like steps that you take mentally, emotionally, um, to go from like handling that frustration to exiting the frustration? Because this is where people are right now. They're in a darkness. They're hanging out. They're listening to you. They're like, okay, this guy's cool. I get it, but you don't understand. My life is totally a mess right now. So what can we give them right now to say, hey, do this, do this, do this, or something like that to kind of guide them to a, a better place? What would you do? What would you say? Okay, there's a couple of things. Now, look, no matter what I say, it's not necessarily going to be the whole picture. Yeah. I don't want to delude anyone into thinking that I'm going to teach you one little tool. Yeah. But I am going to share with you a tool. But I, I, I would be remiss to say that use this tool and it's going to save your life completely. But we want to help as much as we can, right? Yeah. Two things I want to say about that. Because I get that question a lot. People would say, Alan, what's the number one important thing for people to turn their life around, given all the crap we're going on in the world right now, or anytime, really? Yeah. The first thing that comes to my mind, which is kind of simplistic, is I say, it's really important that you get emotionally fed up with your mediocrity. In other words, many of us know intellectually that self-development is, is important. We know intellectually, yeah, 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 we got to improve ourselves. Yeah, 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 I'll get into, I'll read, I'll do my affirmations once in a while. But until we get gut 
wrenching about it until we get to the point where say the gig is up i've had it that's it it's over i'll never forget the dysfunctional pattern i had in relationship and i pulled my car to the off to the side and i i said to the, either I, I i don't know i was speaking to god or something and i said either i'm going to get it, go to the mental institute or i'm going to make a strong commitment to love myself and that's when i started to love myself but i i had to get fed up enough to say i'm going to do something about it now that's the the first simple step but the second step is a bit more practical is because i'm all about connecting the mind to emotion to action to communication and the problem with a lot of people who even meditate or do affirmations the first time i was taught an affirmation I would say, okay, I'll do that. I love myself. I love myself. I love it. No, I don't love myself. You know, because again, it's too intellectual. So the first thing I would say, it, if you, as soon as you feel anxious about something okay. or you're upset about something, don't run away from it, but don't obsess about it or avoid it. Take a pen and paper, write down. Now, I know this is going to sound funny, but talk to yourself. So I would say to Alan, Alan, how are you feeling right now? Right now, I'm feeling terrible. Oh, tell me more, Alan. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling frustrated. My relationship is going down the tubes. And if, and if I don't do something about it, something, and I, I said, keep getting it. Okay, tell me more. Tell me more. And then I get everything off my chest. I said, Alan, is there anything else you want me to, that you want to get off your chest? No, I've got, I've got enough off my chest. So the first thing I do is acknowledge it. Express it. Don't hold it in. Don't hang on to it, express it either in writing or verbally, either to yourself or someone, if it's appropriate to express it to someone. But the expression is very important. A lot of us hold on the emotion, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And it builds up like emotional plaque buildup. So express it, writing or verbally, then say, okay, now that you've got everything off your chest, little Alan, what can you do to get out of this state of mind right now and then listen to yourself i think right now i've been too lazy physically i need to jog around the block a couple of times okay take your body and jog and you go and you go and you jog you come back and you're going to feel better you're back in the zen zone or maybe it wasn't a jog you need maybe you've been procrastinating for making your phone calls for work get on the phone or get on your phone and talk to 10 people in the next hour and be productive and you be productive and then you're feeling better. You're back in the zone or you need to sit down and talk to somebody to clear the air, call them up, clear the air. You're now back in the zone. So what you do is by writing it, you get it out of the emotions in the mind and in the body is writing physically writing it at the same time, you're expressing the feelings and then you express them verbally. You know, if you have to, you know, whether you're with another person or not, and then say, what is the solution? Well, how am I going to get back in the zone? Now I replace the negative crap with something positive. So you connect the dots. And if you do that, you're going to be quite successful at speeding up the process from turning lemon back into lemonade. Yeah. Yes. So good. And I love how you're, one of the things that I preach a lot is that no one is going to save you. You have to save yourself. And this is a really good example of that. Like sitting around waiting for somebody else to like hold your hand and pull you out of your stuff. 
And the exercise that you're giving us right now is an example of how you can sit down, stop waiting for somebody else to come along and save yourself. Empowering people. Totally. But I agree with you to a degree. And here's what I mean. Yeah. The, The way I like to explain it to people, we have our own internal resources and external resources. Now, some of us are overly dependent on other people is what you're talking about. We think we'll be saved by so-and-so. We become too dependent on others reaching out and enabling us. So that's true. Some of us, though, are on the other side or extreme where we're overly independent, where we don't want to ask any help from anybody. I'm going to do it myself. That could be self-destructive as well. The way I recommend it, focus on first doing whatever you can for yourself using your own wisdom and strategies but recognize that there are times when you do reach out to your best buddy or whatever my friend always tell me one of my best qualities i know how to ask for help but i only go for that when i need to because i know oh, i'm not overcoming this problem i need stefan's help steph i need your help and i get advice and it's great it's external but it's not overly dependent on the external, but both are important. Yeah, I agree. And thank you for for, uh, giving us that difference there. And yes, I was talking to the people who tend to be waiting (laughs) for somebody else to save them. And I have been, uh, and probably still am more so on the side of um, overly independence. Um, But a lot of that stems from not feeling like I could ever count on anybody. Um, you know, being abandoned a few times in my life and realizing that I have to depend on myself and only myself to be able to get out of that. So I appreciate the reminder of, uh, you know, reaching out sometimes. That's why you're great at what you do, because you're not just talking about it. You've walked, you walked the walk yeah. and you've been through that. Like we've both been through that. We've learned our lessons and I don't think you're overly, probably that overly independent. You're probably quite healthfully independent because you also help a lot of people. Yes, I'm. I'm adjusting. It's a pro- we're all in a process. You're just too humble. <laughs> we're all in a process. We have Mr. Mohammed. He said very informative stuff. Thanks, Doc. Oh. Well, thanks, Doc. What does that mean? He called you a doctor. I don't know. I guess you oh, have Doc. Oh, Doc. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that makes me insecure. I don't know if I'm going to handle these emotions. How do, <laughs> how do I get out of it, Sabrina? <laughs> but thank you, sir. Thank you, Mohammed. Yes, yes. I want to ask, Alan, what is the number one lesson you've learned about life? The number one lesson, it always goes back to the same thing. It, it always goes back to, I can't love others more than I love myself. It always goes back to that. I mean, everything that I do, Everything that I'm about is about the relationship with others is founded on the relationship we have with ourselves. When I was 19, I was talking about soulmates. I've always been attracted to the concept of soulmates. And then I learned that, of course, soulmates, we have many soulmates, business soulmates, friend soulmates, family soulmates, and we have romantic twin souls, whatever. But most of us are not keep being kept up at night said, I can't wait till I meet my business soulmate. Most people want their, you know, romantic soulmate. And the thing is, it's been an interesting ride because I spend many, many years saying, oh, when am I going to meet my true soulmate? And when am I going to, 
And there was always this element, like a lot of seminars I've listened in on, talk about drawing in the one, drawing in the one. And everyone's so busy drawing in the one, you know, there's a certain expectation of it. Until I finally let go and realize, hey, I am blessed with many soulmates. That's what my book called Soulmate Revolution, finding all your soulmates, including the one, if that's what you want. But what's a soulmate? It's a deep, heart-centered, deep connection with somebody else. And so, you know, I, I, I'm, I've been blessed and I'm blessed today with a number of soulmates. You could be my soulmate, hardly know each other. We could I be soulmates it. of sorts. But the interesting thing is when two people come together, especially in a romantic soulmate level relationship, a lot of people think that's going to be fun, funsy onesy. But it could be so challenging. That's why they call it the runner and the chaser. Because often they mirror each other. They're, they're coming from a depth of soul, not from emotional insecurity. They can't even, they're blinded. They can't even see anything. They have a momentary love experience and then they fall in love. But with soulmates, it's, off, it's often the opposite. It's the more they get closer to each other, the more they realize the emotional, psychological insecurities that are triggered could sabotage the whole thing. And that's why we need to develop the inner soulmate that comes through the first seven of the nine steps. Once you've got that handled, then everything is easy peasy from there on. That's great. Can you share with us what is the most amazing soulmate you've encountered in your life? Who would well, be like your number one? What's that? Who would be your number one that you've met? Well, the, the one that comes to my mind because my favorite soulmate was not a romantic soulmate. Her name was Susie and she passed away oh, about 14 years ago, by the way, quietly. I found her reincarnation, but that's a whole other story. Okay. And that's my goddaughter. But um, Susie will always be so, it's almost like she, she was like a twin soul of mine. It's like we were so connected so amazingly. However, Part of the reason I believe in my heart that it could never become a romantic relationship is we both, and she had a lot of amazing qualities, but a lot of emotional, psychological stuff and trauma from the past. Yeah. And many of my friends said, why do you hang around her? Because she could be somewhat destructive. I don't mean destructive to a terrible degree, but quite a person to handle when she wasn't in a good mood and she could turn on a dime. Uh, I learned a lot through her about unconditional love. I call it mood surfing. I became very good at surfing other people's moods, swings. Oh, I love that. But I just loved her so profoundly. You're, you're a mother. Do you have children? Yeah, 18-year-old son. Right. So if I asked you a stupid question and say, do you love your son? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I, I think so. <laughs> so I had that kind of unconditional love for Susie that, no matter who she was, what her choices were, however expectations were unfulfilled, I was always going to be there for her. And when she passed away, I said to one of my friends, I said, you know, sometimes I wonder if she really benefited by being close to me. She said, Alan, are you kidding? She at least experienced in her lifetime someone who loved her unconditionally. Oh. And then I realized, you know, that's true. Oh, I love that. That makes that's me true. emotional. She she was my most profound experience, I would say. There was another one, but I, I won't mention it. And it wasn't that it was significant in other ways, but I, I'll keep it with Susie. That's awesome. Actually, Susie had hair almost identical to your hair. No kidding. How long Could did you, you know her? 22 years. 
Oh, wow. Could you imagine if Susie had your joyful spirit on a consistent basis? Wow! <laughs> would have been a little crazy, huh? Well, she would have loved you because she always admired women that had strength, real authentic strength. It's because she didn't have it in spades, you know, so she really admired that. She would have admired you for sure. That's awesome. I uh, So we've been talking about an array of different things, but one of the things that's come up a lot is your nine step and the fact, obviously, that you're a mentor slash coach. And so I kind of want to ask, we've got an audience here listening live. Thank you so much for being here and hanging out with Alan and I for the last 40 minutes or so. Uh, if you're listening on the replay, make sure you hashtag replay so that we know that you were here and you were hanging out with us. But I want to ask, you know, what it is you do, Alan, what your business is, how we can get in touch with you if, um, you know, we're looking to find out more information about you. Yeah, it's evolving because for a year, for the most part, I've done a lot of one-to-one -one and group coaching. I still do some one-to-one. -one. I'm morphing into, I started a certification program about a year ago. I've taken a few people, but I'm going to really ramp that up because I'm not 21 anymore. I'm not 41 anymore. And I thought I want to leave some kind of legacy because what's more important than Alan Knight is the program. It's bigger than Alan Knight. So I do coaching if people want to talk to me, if they want to do an evaluation, you could reach me at alanknight.com, A-L-L-A-N-K-N-I-G-H-T, right, right there. Uh, you could certainly email me. We can have a discussion, see if one-to-one -one fits for you. We're soon going to have a course come out, so you'll be able to purchase a course. It won't be the same as one-to-one. -one. And if you, in your audience, if you have anyone, Sabrina, that would love to be a coach, but doesn't have an existing program, or they might be a coach, have a program, but it's not the same as mine. And they'd love to be a coach. Uh, I'd be interested in talking with them because my goal is because of the nature of the program, it's a duplicatable system. Once people go through it, they become their own coach because when they get off track, they get back on track. Uh, some of the coaches will become really good and they'll become training the coaches, train the trainer, and expand their reach and earn more money from it. And some, my hope is, younger ones especially, will become part, part of my profit sharing in my company so that if something happened to me, the, the legacy lived on. So if anyone's interested in becoming a coach, I would really be interested in talking with them. That's fantastic. And can all of that be um, found on your website? How do they find out information about that? Yeah, on my website, there's a section called the coaching program, I believe, but they could see it on alanknight.com. Also, one other thing, we just started a lead magnet, uh, a landing page called shytobold.com, where you can access a confidence, assertive confidence uh, guided meditation pack. And I'm going to be continually sending out to the group that signs up for that little short videos to help people with their confidence and with their Zen zone practice, et cetera. So if you go to shy to bold.com, you go, Oh, you're good. You are good, Sabrina. Wow. You like can, that. can we go into partnership? Can we, <laughs> can we help each other? What do you do? No, we'll talk about it next time. Now, I'm going to interview you next week or two weeks from now. Yes. Yes. Uh, Mike said, great information. Thanks for sharing this. Dane said, this was great information. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Yeah, 100%. Well, this is absolutely fantastic. How do we let people know? How do I, 
How is this something you're going to upload on my Facebook and I can share it with people? It's already on? there. Yeah, it's already on Facebook. We're on Facebook right now. Because I'm an old man. I don't know much about technology. You know? <laughs> yeah, we're on Facebook right now. Everyone's listening right now. And when we're done, it'll be on Facebook still and you can share it as much as you want. So let me ask you one question before I, I sense we're wrapping up in a few minutes. Yeah. So, so my question to you, if you were going to give, because you're going to also reach some of my people as well, my audience, if you were going to give people one thing to remember more than anything, what's on your heart right now, given the time we live in, the pandemic, the war, whatever, you're going to give one piece of advice more than anything right now, what would it be? I always give the same piece of advice and it's the same piece of advice that got me through all the crap that I've been through in my life. And it is a mantra that is so simple, uh, yet so empowering. And that is, everything's going to be okay. Wow, that's that is that is, that's really important. You know, it's funny that you said that because this morning, this morning I was on. I, I meet people all the time on on Zoom from all over the world, and I was talking to a young lady who's a brilliant woman, and she was saying she she just talks to person after person in their forties, fifties, thirties. And many of them have become hopeless. They feel that we're inevitably going into a third world war. They've convinced themselves. And it's amazing. Now, whether there's a war or not, we can't predict that. But what we can do is live each day fully and joyfully. Nobody can take away that. So your message is very beautiful. And I want to say this again. I have to say this. And I really mean what I say is I've been interviewed a lot. And I would say, bar none, you are the best interviewer I've had. And I'll tell you one of the reasons. One of the reasons, because I've done a lot of interviews and I know that a lot of coaches, when they interview, they often ask you a question and then they want to get up and talk about themselves a lot and what they know. And you've demonstrated to me that you're very comfortable in your own skin. You don't need to be featured, even though you could easily be featured and you should be featured. <laughs> but you were a perfect interview. You got out of the way. You, you, you know, you empowered me and I, I just want you to know, I appreciate, I'm aware of it. And you're the best interviewer I've ever had. And Thank when you. I return the favor, I will do the same. Thank you. I appreciate that. That warms my heart. And I so appreciate you acknowledging that um, because I, I have also been interviewed by plenty of people and I, I, uh, I get frustrated with that. So I really do come from a point of wanting to lift others up for real. I really do want to lift with lift others up. And the only way to do that is to give them the space and the time to be able to share what they know. There are so many things that people know that I don't know. And unless I close my mouth, I already know what I know. I already know what I know. You know things that I don't know. So the only way to pull that out of people and to continue to evolve and continue to learn is to give you as much time as possible to be able to speak. Beautiful. You do a great job. Wonderful. Thank, thank you so much. Well, I am going to go ahead and close up. I want to thank everyone who is hanging out with us here live. Thank you for relaxing with us and hanging out with Alan and I, who was called a doctor today. That was cool. <laughs> my, my, my brother will like that because he's a real doctor. <laughs> Uh, this has been great. Uh, if you're watching us on the replay, make sure you hashtag replay so we know that you were here. 
Thank you for joining us. This community is expanding every single day and is filled with individuals who are striving to do better than they did yesterday. For those of you that are new to this podcast and like content like this, make sure you hit that subscribe button, follow, like, and share. I am your host, Sabrina Victoria, and I'm so grateful to be here sharing a platform that allows people to share their truth and inspire others. Until next time.